Empowered people make informed decisions that lead to living a life without regret. This is Sarah Kaki and Shauna Woods from Atlanta Divorce Law Group, and this is the Happily Ever After Divorce Podcast. Welcome to the Happily Ever After Divorce Podcast. I'm attorney Sarah Kaki with Atlanta Divorce Law Group, and I'm joined by our very own managing partner, Shauna Woods. And today we are going to discuss how to pick your partner after you have been divorced. Shauna, we both know that it is not that uncommon for our clients who get divorced to be pretty susceptible to jump into another relationship pretty soon after that divorce. So let's kind of go through the pros, the cons, and some cautionary tales for anybody that's listening to this and wants to make their next decision from a place of conscious awareness versus instinct. Absolutely. One of the things that uh, you don't want to be is a repeat customer of mine. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I I love them, but they obviously have not healed properly coming out of their divorce before getting into a new relationship. And there are people who just enjoy relationships, right? Right. They must be in a relationship. Love being in love. Love being in love. I think the biggest part when I start cautioning people about picking your next partner is how about we not do it while you're still married and going through the divorce. Step one. Yes. That's step one. It's not a good time to um, engage in another relationship. And I know sometimes divorces can take a long time. Yes. Right. They sometimes they're a year and I've got one going on three years. Mm-hmm. Right. And And that can be a very lonely time, but it also can be a very growth-minded time if that's what you're focusing on. And that's a good point because our vision is that somebody has to go through divorce. The marriage, everything that can be done for the marriage has been done. This is the next best thing is to get divorced. Then our hope is, our vision is for that family that this divorce turns out to be a catalyst for positive change and growth and jumping into a new relationship can numb you from the growing pains you sort of need to go through to learn more about yourself, your wants, your hopes, your vision for the future while you're going through the process. So A, I think that's a big key takeaway there is do not jump into a new relationship to numb you from the pain of what you're going through right now. That pain is meant to lead you to the light of discovering your growth, discovering yourself through it. You know, one of the great analogies I always give about pain, and it's not even an analogy, it's just very real. If you put your hand in front of a burning stove, and if you don't feel the heat, you don't feel the pain from that, you will burn your hand off. The point of pain is to guide you in the right direction. And that's why the body has that sensory. And I think that's why we even emotionally feel pain because we're supposed to pay attention to it, to use it as a navigation tool. But if you numb it, you block it off, you'll never find your way. That's exactly where I was going with the numbing as well. So it's not surprising that we're thinking the the same thoughts and wanting to share with our listeners that the pain is not a bad thing, right? The pain is supposed to be there to tell you what needs to be fixed Mm -hmm. and you can't fix it while you're just masking it. And that is kind of sometimes what a new relation is. 
I'm going to mask whatever I didn't work through myself by this new, fun, energetic relationship. You've always heard the term new relationship energy. Yes. And it gives you such a boost and it makes you feel good. And that's great, except for when you're masking the, the work that needs to be done. Because coming to an ending of a relationship, regardless if it was... 10% your fault, 90% the other person's fault, which is rare. But even if it is in those rare occasions, you still have to take some ownership of why did you pick that partner? Mm -hmm. What made you susceptible to pick maybe an abusive partner? Or what is it about this relationship that I chose to be in that I need to recognize that those are patterns I don't need to follow again? You know, I think the part that you're really nailing on the head is understanding your role that you played in that relationship. Because you will do one of two things if you jump into the next relationship without really seeking through the personal development that can come from divorce. And that is either you'll go right back into that role again. If you were playing the role of a rescuer or saver, you'll find the next person that you can play that with again. Or, this is also very common, you'll rebel against that role. Because you will want to go find the 180 from the relationship you had. So if you were in a relationship with a person who needed a lot of your saving, a lot of you rescuing the situation, a lot of you constantly coming in and stepping up for them, now you're going to rebel against that ex and rebel against your own role in that relationship and go do a 180 and find the person who may not have any need for you, may actually not even bring you in and be vulnerable with you, may be way too stoic to let you truly in. And there's something about that that's attracting you. And it's not from a conscious choice. It's not from a vision of this is what I want. It's more of a continuing the pattern of your role that now you're rebelling against it versus being aware of it. Keeping an eye out for the patterns, whether those are I'm going into the same relationship I just got out of, or like you said, I'm doing the 180. I'm I'm going from my corporate relationship to my rock band relationship. Knowing that those are patterns and recognizing them, yes, is key. But also I want to pick up on one of the things that you said is deciding what you want in your next relationship before beginning it. Yes. Setting a criteria. Setting criteria. And we all joke, oh, this is my type or that is my type. But getting down to the core of what actually makes a relationship for you work, Mm -hmm. whether that is matching your love languages, matching your communication styles, matching your goals, or if you have kids, matching your parental and step-parent goals with this other person. But really sitting down and writing down, I strongly recommend writing this down on paper. Here are the must-haves. Yes. Here are the I really want to haves, right? Here are my wish list things that I can go ahead and let go, Mm -hmm. right? But sticking to the core of these are the must-haves. If religion is important to you, don't go find somebody who's not religious. And be honest. And being honest with, with your the person woman. yes, and say, this is a, this is a must for me. Is that a deal breaker? And if so, let me not waste your or my time instead of let me mold you into the thing that's going to help me heal or let me mold myself into a relationship to help me heal. 
And that may not sound romantic. It might not sound like getting swept off your feet, but it really is the foundation for making a strong and lasting relationship is to start with these commonalities. And one of the things that you also don't want to do, because as you're coming out of a relationship and you're discovering what your likes are, is getting into a relationship too soon with somebody who's laying out, here's the things I want. And you think, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Right. Without doing that deep soul searching of, are these also the things I want? Where you can wake up in your relationship and find, I'm pretending to be this person they wanted because I wanted this relationship Mm -hmm. rather than I'm in the relationship is right for me because I discovered who I was and I set the criteria. And when you enter the next relationship out of rebellion towards your role or out of rebellion towards your ex-spouse, what I don't think people are aware of, you're continuing the dysfunction of that first marriage that you are divorcing from. This next relationship is not actually a new relationship. It's a continued pattern of the first one that you're working so hard to get divorced from. Now, what's even worse is that I I don't know the statistics on this. You are the statistics check here. But I would be interested for us to know the statistics on the amount of people who are going through divorce that find their next relationship with another divorcee. That's so common. And I understand that there is a shared pain, there's an understanding, there's an empathy, there's a friendship that comes so naturally from going through this, you know, part of life together. That's very natural. But I think there's a lot of awareness that needs to come into that because like similar to friendships and other types of relationships, when they, the foundation of a relationship becomes a common enemy, you have a crack in the foundation because you need more than that. So if the foundation of your relationship with this new person is based on both of you disliking your exes and spending time talking about, you are so amazing, honey. You are so much better than my ex-husband. Oh my God, I love you so much. You do all the things for me that my ex-wife wouldn't do. That will only last so long. And we, we have seen it so often where they find each other in friendship, they support each other through the divorce, they lean on somebody, it turns romantic, and it lasts only to the point where that commonality will last and they outgrow it. You honestly see this in friendships sometimes too. Their friendship is based on their common hatred of a third person or a third thing Absolutely. or whatever. That friendship it is. will not last long. That's not a lasting friendship. It's not a real friendship, nor is this a real relationship built on anything other than let's both get in this group and hate on X, right. whatever that X is. And yes, I think that you look around and say, I only being attracted to, or am I only dating other people who have been divorced? But honestly, it's also about age, right? Mm-hmm. So a certain amount of time with your, in your late thirties on up, most people have been married by that time. Right. Yes. So the dating pool is going to change. That's true. And you're looking around and saying, okay, there really are only either widowed people here or divorced people here. Right. And finding the healthy ones. I had a therapist use this uh, phrase once and I really like it. It's called couch trained. And I think you should find out before you enter into a relationship, is your partner couch trained? 
which means have they gone to therapy? Have they put in the work? Do they understand the dynamics it takes to make a healthy relationship? And if you are couch trained and you get with somebody who's not, are you willing to take that step back and go with them along that journey? Mm -hmm. And do you want to? Right. Do you want to get into the hole with them and help them come out of there? Right. And that's, that's so true in friendships as well. I mean, when you have, when you're yourself or one foot out of the dark hole, you just pulled yourself out of, and there is somebody in that dark hole, you really got to take a moment before you decide, am I going to go back in that dark hole and pull them up? And that's the difference. I think a lot of times between sympathy and empathy or sympathy, you're like, I'm going to get in this dark hole with you. Whereas empathy is I'm going to, you know, acknowledge you're there and help you get up. But sometimes we ourselves, when we're one foot out of that dark hole, we don't have the capability to get them out of there. And we're going to end up in that dark hole together. What's better is if you care and love for them is to help get them their resources and the help to get them out of there. And we as caretakers want so bad to say, no, no, I'm going to reach back and and pull this person up with me. You've got to realize, do you have that in you? And don't say you have it just because you want to have it. And we all feel like we should have it, right? And we feel guilty if we don't help this person. Take a moment and really reflect, am I going to be in a good place helping this person? Or is this going to be putting me in the worst place? Like you were saying, is this going to be pulling me back down in that hole? And you see these in addictions. You see these in um, even mental health issues. When two people have something in common, it can be a really good thing if they're both coming at it from a healthy place. Or it can be really bad if you're both backsliding. And you don't want to get back into that relationship pattern, right? Right. That you are both in, uh, when you having your first marriage. With all that said, I do think there is some beauties and some pros to finding love after divorce. I think it can be amazing for finding that, finding your value that somebody else, the way somebody looks at you and cherishes you that you might have never felt before. Um, the self confidence. Sometimes the, a positive, healthy relationship can create, the friendship it can create, the acknowledgement and the appreciation. Because these things, they have a negative connotation at times, but they are also can be very powerful and uplifting. So absolutely, there is a positive to experiencing love again after divorce. But I think there's also a lot of cautionary tales to be aware of how quickly are you doing it and are you whole, are you healed, are you aware of yourself and are you not numbing the pain that can be such a huge source of power for you. The only last thing that I would say, um, just to reemphasize, that there is love after divorce. There is not just one person mm-hmm. for every person. You can find that wonderful connection again what we're just emphasizing is doing it on your right time right and that means what's the right time for you regardless of what sarah Kaki and i say that's true thank you Sean. thank you thanks for listening to the happily ever after divorce podcast if you'd like to learn more go to atlanta divorce forward slash resources